Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get even softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus 15% off your first order with code Odyssey. So head to B-O-L-L and branch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome into the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host, Ross Martin, something for John Siegel. I am joined by Greg Barnes and Gregory Hall. This is the weekly kind of Monday on the beat podcast we are a couple hours away from mac brown's monday press conference we also spoke with offensive coordinator phil longo and defensive coordinator jay bateman just get right into it mercer obviously a dominating performance by the tar heels 56 to 7 shellacking as i have written quickly we don't want to spend too much time on the mercer game but greg unc played a lot of players What's your major takeaway from how this game can kind of impact the Tar Heels for the future? Is there anything you saw that is worth even talking about from what the young guys did uh, or even the starters did in the first half? Yeah, I think the the key point for the starters was we, we knew this game was going to be a blowout. We knew that Mercer was not a good team, even at the FCS level. But Mac has preached all season long, and he, he really kind of uh, drove home that point last week that don't worry about your opponent, especially don't worry about Mercer. You're worried about playing to a standard um, because if you, I think it was Phil Longo who said, you know, if you take a week off against Mercer and NC state didn't, well, who got better this week? Well, that would be NC state And North Carolina did that against Mercer. They came out, smacked them in the mouth early. I think they scored on the first six possessions. Uh, the defense uh, had two turnovers and then a turnover on downs and two, three and outs, I think, in those first six or seven possessions that Mercer had. And so they put this game away early, very early. And uh, so you you win the game before halftime. And as you mentioned, that allows you to play a ton of guys in the second half. So not only are you resting your starters who haven't had that luxury this year, you're giving a lot of young guys valuable experience. Is that going to pay off next week? Uh, Not in terms of the experience. But the ability to get on the the field and to have, you know, 20, 30 snaps that you can go in the film room and say, oh, okay, that that makes sense now. Like we've done it in practice, but now seeing it against an actual opponent, I see something different. And that's that's how you learn uh, and you kind of build experiences that way. So they went in with a, a couple game plans in terms of, you know, meet your standard, get the young guys a lot of rest, or a lot of reps, get the starters a lot of rest. And I think they checked all three of those boxes. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, it it couldn't have worked out any more perfectly. They got the big lead. Then you got to play everybody, even walk-ons and the scout team. You got a glimpse into some of the players that have big roles next year. I thought uh, Raymond Vohasek and some of the defensive players, Eugene Asante led the team in tackles. Vohasek is going to play a big role in the defensive line. Gregory, you wrote about Sam Howe. He broke. Multiple records on Saturday, including um, setting the single season record for touchdowns, passing touchdowns, and we believe he is the 
threw the most passing touchdowns for any true freshman in FBS history. And then today, both Mac Brown and Phil Longo talked about Sam Howe and kind of his season and his talent. How can you kind of put into words what he's done so far for the Tar Heels this season? I mean, he's been consistent. I mean, Mac always talks about the consistency of how his temper and his emotions kind of just are, are level. He scores a touchdown. He smiles. He's excited, but that's it. Um, he throws an interception. He's angry, but that's it. He moves on. Um, but something that was interesting today was how uh, Longo and Mac kind of talked about his progression uh, as a leader. Uh, Mac mentioned it after the Mercer game, how he was up and down the field. He was hyping his guys up. Um, they put out a little a little pregame speech that he was giving. Um, and earlier in the season, in, in fall camp and stuff, he was that lead by example guy, which he's kind of broken broken out of that. Um, so I think that's a progression that was that has been interesting to see out of him. He's kind of being that leader that they wanted him to be from the beginning. And then another cool little tidbit is how. On, on his deep balls, um, Longo has stressed to him to kind of to kind of turn them from lasers to bottle rockets to get some more air, get some more air under it, which uh, we saw on his uh, touchdown, sixty-yard touchdown pass to Diami, and then we've seen we've seen all year. Um, so yeah, Sam's been consistent. I mean, eleven straight games with two passing touchdowns at least. I mean, only Justin Fields has done that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just been a consistent season out of him and hopefully it can be a consistent career as far as Carolina is concerned. Yeah. One thing I was trying to pry out of, uh, Phil Longo is really, uh, <laughs> trying to get him to give himself credit for bringing Sam Howe along because we, we've talked so much about all the great things that Howe has done this year. He's been phenomenal. Uh, but Phil Longo had a, basically a high school kid in the spring and he's molded him into this player that Sam has become. Uh, And so I don't, I don't think quarterback coaches get enough credit, especially with young guys because they are having to adjust and you do have to be careful with them early and you have to slowly release out, you know, parts of the offense to the guys because you don't want that confidence to be shot. You know, we saw that with Chad Surratt a couple years ago. He had some initial success, but when things got rough, his confidence just, just went away, and it, it kind of really hurt him as a quarterback. Uh, but that hasn't been an issue for Sam. But Phil really just kind of brushed it off. Like, yeah, you know, we kind of do certain things, and uh, you know, everybody kind of develops differently. But for the most part, he was like, look, you know, the offense is in, um, and you, Sam has taken it upon himself to live in the film room. He's a, he's a gym rat. And you, know, the credit goes to him for for working and progressing each week. You know, they they try to throw different things at him each week to help him get better, because you know, he's not a finished product quite yet. But he is well on his way to being that, uh, and I, I think we'll see him really kind of elevate his game next year even more. Uh, but you know, in terms of like his ability to to progress uh, through his routes quicker, you know, Phil's talking about you know, maybe early in the year he's talking you know two or three progressions that he's making his way through not quite quick enough, and that's why you see some of the sacks. He's gotten better in that regard. Uh, and so you, Longo and his his you know, GAs can stress that, but Sam's got to do it. And there are all these things on this checklist that the coaches have, and Sam has continually met those benchmarks. And that's why right now uh, he's in contention for all ACC. 
and, and that's why that you know he's. I think him and Trevor Lawrence are going to have an incredible battle next year. Uh, some some pretty important honors. For sure, and I mean, yeah, like you kind of led into it there. I mean, UNC's offensive um, <clears throat> fortunes look great for the next two years. You know, they they have they return all the wide receivers, uh, both main running backs, Javante Williams and Michael Carter. They do lose Charlie Heck and Nick Polino, which are big losses, but it's not like a massive amount of losses on the offensive line. You expect some young guys to step up. So that connection between Sam Howell and his skill players, including Garrett Walston tied in, and then Diami Brown, Daz Newsom, Montavious Groves, Bo Corrales, and that's that's going to be even a stronger connection as he improves. So the offense is going to be, I think, really good next year, and it's going to take another step. And then 2021 could be, could be real special if that offensive line is because they don't lose anybody after next year on the offensive line, they oddly have no juniors right now. So that's something that um, the quarterback is everything at offense for, for, for college. You look down the road in Raleigh and they're struggling to win games because of the lack of a good quarterback quickly here. You know, I'm not just a host. I'm also one of the writers. So I want to speak about the defense. I wrote about that as well. Raymond Hasek looked really strong. Uh, Jaleel Taylor's going to be a big time player next year. We saw some, some of him uh, against Mercer and replacing Strobridge, Aaron Crawford is going to be key for this defense next year. You know, I asked uh, Mac Brown, was Mac Brown? Asked Bateman or one of those guys about about redshirting Chris Collins. Some of our listeners may be um, worried about him. You know, he is he's redshirting, he's adding weight. They didn't think they could really play him a lot this year. He had some injuries, so they are redshirting Chris Collins and bringing him back for that kind of defensive end outside linebacker role next year. I think the linebackers and defensive backs in 2020 are going to be special. You bring back Chaz Surratt, bring back Jeremiah Gimbel, and you add in the, the freshman this year, Eugene Asante and Kadri Jackson, and then potentially some studs in the 2020 recruiting class, including Trenton Simpson, who may commit here in the next couple of weeks. And then the defensive backs, they've gotten so much action this year with the injuries, but they bring back Patrice Rene coming off an injury, Miles um, Wolford coming off an injury, and then Storm Duck, who's played a bunch. Uh, Trey Morrison, who's been a starter for two years now, had some injuries this year. And then Don Chapman stepping up. DJ Ford will be back. Um, and I don't know if I'm miss, missing anybody, but it's, it's really exciting to kind of see the linebackers, defensive backs for next year. All right, well, let's jump right into the uh, the NC State game coming up here. Obviously, UNC is 5-6 and six right now. If they beat NC State, they'll move to 6-6. Six and six. Greg, you want to get us started here kind of about the expectations for this game for UNC? Uh, and kind of preview from there, and we'll, we'll get into a little more depth following that. Yeah, well, I think when you when you look at this series, uh, as Mac pointed out time and time again, um, State's won four or five, and I believe it's nine of the last twelve. And State has a winning record. I believe it's twelve of twenty-one since since Mac left. And the crazy thing is, is that Mac Brown has a losing record all time against NC State. He's five and seven. Lost at, I believe, App State, lost uh, Texas, and was 5-5 five and five when, when he was at North Carolina. Um, so I, I think this is one of those games where you, we knew when, when Mac Brown came, the emphasis was going to be on dominating in-state, and that meant both recruiting and on the football field. You know, came up with the whole state championship idea back in the 90s and really owned Wake, Duke, in NC State, at least the last five years there. And, I mean, like this year, Wake Forest won state championship. And and State's had their run with it. And in North Carolina, I think 2015 is the is the only time 
dating back to the John Bunning days where North Carolina has beaten both Duke and NC State in the same year. So in terms of North Carolina being this powerhouse flagship football program in state, uh, that's not what it is right now. It was 20-some years ago when Mac was here, but no longer. And so we've seen what Mac has been able to do recruiting-wise, full confidence. That's not going to be an issue for him. But this is an opportunity this weekend to beat a a, a down NC State team and say, okay, I'm back. Things are back to their old ways. We're going to a bowl game, State staying home, in part because uh, we beat NC State. And that's how it's going to be for years to come. And I understand that specific games don't matter as much as we would like to think at times, but it can be a, a, a flag in the ground type of situation for Mac this weekend, uh, you know, kind of a feather in the cap, if you will, to be able to get to a bowl game by beating your rival. And so I think it's a very important game from that standpoint, um, not to mention the fact that State really has kind of owned this series the last couple of years. Uh, Dave Dorn, is, uh, I'll let Gregory get into, but he's, he's kind of, um, I don't want to say bragged, but I guess that's kind of what he's done. Uh, about his team's success against North Carolina. It's, it's kind of um, uh, filtered down to his players with some of their comments after games recently. So uh, a lot of different reasons why this one's important beyond just the X's and O's. Uh, but but it's a very important game for what Mac Brown is trying to rebuild here at UNC. Yeah, I mean, looking at rivalry games like this, you mentioned that single games necessarily don't matter moving forward. But, I mean, with the victory and how the win uh, UNC pulled over Duke and how that played out, and then you got this combined with going to their first bowl games in 2016, I think it definitely affects recruiting. Um, And then looking at the game specifically, I I think you can't really take into account how the seasons have gone too much. Yes, states lost their last five games, um, and they haven't really looked that great in, in many of them. Um, but if you look at their most recent game, they lost to Georgia Tech, uh, but they got down and then they came back and were a two point conversion away from tying it. Um, and so with, with, with that fight that they showed last week and how and, and they understand that they have dominated this rivalry. Um, Mac, he said it before the Duke game um, and he said he said it uh, today before the, before the state game. It's. Time for Carolina to step up and play better in the rivalry. Um, he said, you got to do your part in the rivalry because we haven't done that in the last four of the five years, and it's not a rivalry if only one team's winning. Um, so State will be wanting to continue their winning streak. Uh, UNC will want to end it. And, I mean, you look last year. UNC had two wins entering the game. It was State was going for their um, ninth win. Uh, of the season, which would have been their back-to-back season with nine wins, and UNC forced the game to overtime. They didn't have any business taking that game to overtime. Um, but then State still pulled it out, and then after the game, you've got their players, even though that they should have beaten Carolina by a lot more than an overtime victory, they're still bragging about how Keenan Stadium is Carter Finley North, similar to how UNC basketball plays in uh, PNC Arena, right? So it's, it's the same thing with this rivalry. Um, so if you're, and then you got to take into account that it's state senior day 
I mean, last week, all, the whole story, yes, it was Mercer, but the whole story was about we need to go out and play up to our standard for these seniors. The entire week was about the seniors. As far, I mean, some of the seniors would say, yeah, it was great, but like we just wanted to win. But I mean, the state seniors are going to be the same way, right? So, I mean, when it comes down to these rivalry games, yes, UNC is probably the better team. I mean, they're a seven and a half point favorite right out of the gate. Um, but I mean, there's no reason to expect that this game shouldn't be close and state won't play, shouldn't play with passion and any of that. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to take to account, but it's, it, it's going to be a good game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, uh, Ross, I was going to say, uh, state was a seven point favorite a year ago and Carolina took them to overtime. And that's kind of what we're looking at this year too. So, yeah, I thought that was a great point. I mean, you, you got to expect this game to be tight heading into the fourth quarter. I mean, NC State has talent. They didn't show any quit against Georgia Tech, um, so they're they're gonna. I mean, they're gonna put everything they can into this game because it's a rivalry game. It's Senior Day. Um, you know, so a lot of these guys the last chance to play in Carter Finley Stadium. They want to go on a positive note. It's the rival. I mean, there's so many factors that you know just kind of play to the fact that states going to put up a really, really strong fight. And, and they have talent. They've struggled with injuries this season. I know, just following their recruiting, I know they have some some top-notch defensive players that are, that are maybe young but are, are obviously getting better. They don't have a quarterback that can go out and win them games, uh, which obviously has been tough this year. But, yeah, the way the season's gone for UNC, I mean, I'd expect it to be tight in the fourth quarter. I, I Like Gregory said, I do think UNC is, is better. They're playing better. You know, they're – very healthy right now. They got everybody back except for the guys who are out for the season. Um, the injuries that really hurt UNC in the middle of the season have been pretty much remedied. Um, so yeah, it should be good on night game. You had that, you know, holiday weekends. You can have kind of a weird mix of fans and uh, obviously some adult sodas on hand with the uh, with the holidays and a night game in Raleigh. So it should be loose. Greg and I will be coming back from the Bahamas, but Gregory will be there. Gregory be there for sure. Um, you know, from a U, from the UNC side, Mac Brown talked about the team not getting too too excited, too overhyped. I don't really know how you put that into words. Uh, Greg, do you want to kind of take a stab at that and kind of how UNC approaches this game? Because they have to bring it as well. I mean, they're playing for a bowl, something they haven't reached in three seasons. Uh, you know, how does a how do the coaches kind of prepare their team to approach this game, which is super important? for this season, but also kind of getting those extra practices, selling a bowl game to recruits, selling in-state recruiting to recruits, all that stuff. Cause it's a, it can have a lot of impact on this program moving forward. Cause six and six with a bowl win seven and six is a lot better than five and seven. Yeah. That this is the, the great uh, challenge that coaches endure, right? Especially with regard to rivalry games, Matt, uh, Butch Davis got a lot of heat during his, his tenure here because he refused to look at any opponent differently. And it makes sense, right? You respect your opponent. Uh, you prepare to play the same way every single week. And that's very much an NFL uh, mindset. John Bunning, uh, whatever you want to say about old John boy, <laughs> he was able to get his players to play well against NC State. Now, there were some weeks where they came out flat and didn't play very well at all. Uh, but he had the ability to kind of uh, elicit that passion from his players 
and they were able to manage it quite well. I mean, some of the games they lost against State was when Philip Rivers was in town. And so even though they played well in some of those games, I know they did win the 0-1 game. Uh, but that's a tough ask because State has some pretty good teams then. But his teams were always kind of ready. And that was the one knock, I think, on Butch is that he was 0-5 against State because he doesn't put pre- – he doesn't you know, make a big deal about it. That's, that's why they lost. Uh, and so it's this delicate balance of what do you do. And so wh- what Mac was getting at with the overhyped part of it is you want the guys to be excited because this is NC State week. You, you want them to, to be jazzed about it. Uh, you're always searching for ways to motivate your players. It being a, a rivalry game, that makes it easier. What you don't want them to do, however, is when they wake up Sunday morning after the Mercer game, all of a sudden this balls to the wall. We're going to kill NC State. They don't not any good this year. We're going to do it. We're going to smack them. And they're so excited and so ready to go that by the time you get to Wednesday, they're like, oh, man. They've, they've spent all their uh, passion because they've been so excited for like three straight days. And then you get to game day, and you can't drum up that same level of passion. So do you want it kind of to be a slow burn throughout the week where the guys use it as fuel, uh, but they don't they don't burn out the whole the whole system? And I think that's that's the the task. And so what what Mac uh, is going to try to do is, and they've apparently started the week well, is make sure they know it's state. Let them use that as motivation throughout the week, uh, but don't let them get too fired up. And try to keep that in check until you get to Friday and Saturday where they can really unleash it and play well. Um, and that's, that's really the challenge. You know, with Mercer, it's, it's you want to make sure they have passion. You don't want them to come out flat because they can go through the motions and still win. It's the exact opposite, right? I mean, you don't want them to get too fired up. You want them to rein that in just a little bit and have some left over in the tank by the time you, you get, get at kickoff at Carter-Finley at 7 o'clock on Saturday night. Quickly here, the Mercer coach just got fired today after Tar Heels beat them. Yep. He should have been fired long before. <laughs> I just thought it was pretty funny. Oh, not funny because someone's job. He has a family. All right, Gregory, you had something to add? Yeah, and I think what I'm interested to see is, I mean, we were talking last week about how if UNC, when UNC beats Mercer and if NC State takes care of business against Georgia Tech, both of these teams, the winner goes to a bowl and the loser stays. Um, but I think now with NC State losing to Georgia Tech, I think it changes the entire dynamic of the game, right? Because NC State has nothing to lose. And Carolina does because this their their first goal was to win the season opener. Their second goal was to make a bowl game. And their th- third goal was to win the Coastal. Well, they can't win the Coastal anymore. Um, and so really the only goal that they have left, I guess another one was to win the state. So that's important, but Wake, Wake won the state. So they can't do that either. So their only goal that they have left is to be is to make a bowl game. So you've got UNC seniors thinking about that. I mean, the whole team thinking about it. And then if you're NC State, you're just licking your chops because you know that you're not going to a bowl game, but you can prevent your rival from doing something that they haven't done in three years. So as far as emotions go, I'm just, Greg, you mentioned you want to come out with passion, but you don't want to come out, but you don't want to come out with too much passion, but you don't want to come out flat. I mean, NC State can come out with, I mean, as much passion as they want, I feel like, and then whether or not they can hold on is a different story. But I mean, 
if I'm Carolina, you've got more on your plate. And with these kids and these players, you're, you're, they're dealing with something that they haven't dealt with in a really long time. And so I think how they handle that uh, will kind of show the maturity of this team and kind of how the coaching staff has been able to corral those emotions. Um, Bateman said today that he hasn't really had to manage them just yet. Um, but, I mean, they've still got a full week of practice ahead of them. So they'll, they'll see. We'll see uh, what, Mac, what Mac says on Wednesday, if anything has come up about talking to players. But, yeah, I mean, State has nothing to lose. And I think that's a big – big part in this whereas if they did have something to lose i think it might be a different story about uh passion and and energy and it's a little late but we want to talk about our friends at giant t-shirt and giant t-shirt.com i'm sure since y'all love this podcast you're still listening and we can sell you on the value they bring to our podcast sponsoring us and what they can bring to unc fans everywhere online at johnny t-shirt.com and right on franklin street right there off campus get your sweatshirts your jackets your hats your t-shirts Get locked and loaded for um, basketball season and into next year for football. It's a great gift. I mean, I'd go there, spend a couple, spend a couple dollars, and get everybody in your family something for UNC, UNC related for for Christmas or for whatever holiday you celebrate. You know, you can't have enough UNC sweatshirts. Get a gray one, get a navy blue one, get a Carolina blue one, and get a hat, and you'll be decked out and ready to go with all your Carolina apparel. Johnny T-shirt right on Franklin Street and GiantT-shirt.com. And for Inside Carolina subscribers, make sure you head to the premium message board, the Tar Pit or UNC Basketball message board, and get the 10% off discount code on uh, the message board there and use that online or in the store. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. All right, and to kind of close this um, podcast, I think Gregory hit on a lot of interesting notes. I think State does have pressure in not getting just beat bad by by UNC. I do think they, they do have that that kind of play loose, nothing to lose feeling because they can only they can just play home record. They can just destroy the dreams of UNC. But, you know, getting embarrassed, getting beat on senior day, preventing that is a little pressure in itself. Although 
I, I do agree with you. You know, UNC has more to play for, of course, with the bowl game. So there's just a lot of dynamics in this game, and it was changed when Georgia Tech um, lost. Another thing that's pretty cool, I think, is that UNC got a chance to rest a lot of players, as we talked about. But Javante Williams, I don't think, played at all against NC State. So he's been completely healthy. I mean, he was a little banged up here and there in the season. He's been kind of UNC's bell cow back this season. So you have a healthy Javon, Javante Williams. Daz Newsom didn't play. He should be 100% go. He was actually suspended for the game. And then UNC's defensive linemen and offensive linemen all got a lot of rest. So the, the UNC's coming in full force, good to go. Another interesting tidbit from today's press conference was the fact that Jay Bateman uh, has been watching NC State film every Friday since the beginning of the season. He has a uh, quality control assistant who's been cutting up tape from each NC State game. And Bateman's been spending an hour or two every Friday kind of just preparing for what State's doing and looking at how they're using their personnel on offense. And that was kind of a cool thing because usually coaches don't try to look ahead. I mean, sometimes I think in the past, you know, they've prepped for Georgia Tech and the triple option um, before Georgia Tech switched. But uh, that was a pretty cool tidbit. Question for both of y'all. Do y'all think uh, Sam Howell is going to be here more than three years? No. Uh, um, I would say more likely than not, uh, yes. He will be here. But, yeah, but if he if he continues on his, his current pace and they continue to get better, then – uh, he probably will go, but it's just so hard to, to go that early as a third year player. You know, a lot of the guys that go earlier, fourth year guys. Um, but yeah. you know, maybe, maybe he's going to be one of these that's uh, continues to be just fantastic. I, it's not necessarily about Sam. It's more, it's just hard for guys to go early unless they're just dominant. And um, if he's a Heisman contender in three years and of course he'll go, but that's a tough ask, I think. But what if, what if, these three years are kind of similar with UNC just kind of winning max eight games and fluctuating between six and eight, but Sam putting up the same numbers. Well, and I think what we'll also see though is next year guys will have, you know, defensive coordinators and teams will have a lot more footage on how to deal with Sam. And I think that's the, that's the challenge is you, know, what does he do next year for an encore? Because Trevor Lawrence has had a much harder time this year and part of that is because people have a better idea of how to scheme for him. That doesn't mean Sam's not going to be good next year because Lawrence has been great this year. Um, but there's there's that there's a sophomore slump for a reason that a lot of guys go through. It's because people have tape on you and they understand how to how to deal with not only you but the scheme. And I think that's that's part of the dynamic that he's going to have to learn and grow through, and that that's on long go as well. Yeah, I mean that's an interesting point I mean, about I the scheme. So. UNC opponents to be able to kind of know what UNC is doing now with, uh, you know, 12, 13 games on tape. But I think something that will be different next year, if Jace Reuter's healthy, and Max talked about this, is they haven't been able to run Sam because if Sam gets hurt and then they're bringing on a true freshman walk-on and, and Vincent Amendola, right? So I think, yes, teams will have more footage, but I think the game, the scheme and the game plan might be a little different next year if they're able to run Sam. So I think that might be to his benefit as well. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. But have you seen enough out of Sam running to think that he is like a legitimate running threat? That's what I was gonna say. I, yeah, I don't know. Not this year. There's a few clips from his high school high school tape, though. Yeah, it's going against high school defenders. Yeah, I don't think he's much okay. of a runner. But they, they need to use him a little bit just because <laughs> some of the offense is uh, just built on kind of you know getting three or four yards here and there. But he's not like a dual threat guy like no, Mark Williams no. was. 
No, that is that is that is true. All right, quickly, this just crossed my mind as we're talking about this. Do y'all think everybody who's a junior who could go pro is going to come back? Michael Carter, Tamon Fox, uh, those kind of guys. Everybody going to return? Greg, any thoughts on that? I think Fox for sure will be back. I think Michael Carter is the interesting one. Um, you know, Javante, I, th- I think is kind of the lead guy, and Carter's had some some good film. Um, how, how much better can he improve b- between you know, what he's got on resume this year to next year? Yeah, uh, and I don't know that he can do much because Javante. You know, I think Javante is your right. your primary guy. Uh, and I, I think he's the fascinating one. Could, I, mean, I could see him come back. I could see him go, and neither would surprise me. I'm not sure if he is. I mean, he's not going to be a some elite next level NFL player. But right. is there? He's done everything. He he has so much tape out there. He played as a freshman. That yeah, I don't think his stock. Like he, he'd probably get drafted the same place this year as he would get drafted next year. And yep. there's a risk of injury. And with running backs, you hear about this a lot now. If you can go as a running back, you go because your shelf life is two, three years max. You're kind of for those mediocre, kind of run of the mill backs, you have a because you get you so much, so much contact, so many tackles that you got to capitalize and save your body as much as possible if you want to make any sort of substantial money in the NFL. Yeah, I think it just depends on the draft, like the draft class and who's available, and based on all of that, right? Because I mean, I agree with your point about. I mean, he probably. The only reason he would be able to be drafted higher next year is if there's less running backs. So, yeah, and yeah, he's a he can be used as a pass catcher. He can be used as a running back. He can be used as a you know, punt return and um, kick return. He definitely has a lot of dynamic skills. All right, boys, good stuff. Uh, appreciate your time, and we will talk to you next time on the Inside Carolina podcast. Thanks for listening. You guys better have fun in the Bahamas without me. <laughs> we will, Gregory. We will. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.